You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Let's bring in Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk Live co-host, NBC Sunday Night Football analyst. Did you ever get fined for a uniform violation, Chris? Yeah, I did. Um, I'm not showing too, not showing enough black on the socks <laughs> or no, no showing too much black on the socks for, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, you know, like, you know, sometimes you want it. It's supposed to be the, the right proportion of white and black. So I like the way all the black looked and it would make it, you know, predominantly black, but you know, you had to try to trick the uniform guy to a degree to make that happen. But how and, are you told that you're in violation? Well, like, first off, they're going to check you in warm-ups, and then they're going to come through the locker room after warm-ups, maybe 10 to 15 minutes before you go out there to the game, and they're going to walk around and go, hey, number two, you don't have enough white in your socks. Hey, number 32, you know, tuck your jersey in. Hey, blah, 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 your cleats are in violation, and they let you know. But what guys do to try to skirt that is if you go – well, what I did, I would go out to warm-ups very proper – and then I'd start the game and I'd go, ah, they didn't warn me, so they can't find me yet. And now I got my socks changed and I looked a little different. But even doing that at halftime, they were going to come tell you again. They were going to get you. But I don't know who I, I heard there to, to, to whoever it was. I don't know if it was Fritzy or whatever. Um, I do find the rule a little inconsistent at times. Like, like there's, I, I could find 70 guys that I watched on film this past week that had jerseys untucked. They weren't fine, but for some reason, CD Lamb was, and I don't, I don't understand that with the NFL at times. All right, let's start with Odell Beckham Jr. What team is the right fit? Not necessarily where he goes, but what, what is the best place for him to go? Well, that, it, that it's a tough one. I mean, I, I think I look at it. And, you know, of course, you got the Saints, the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Packers, those four teams involved. They all have little different nuances as far as why I think they're best. All right. So it's a hard one for me to answer. Like, hey, the Chiefs, they certainly need them. It can't just be Tyree Kill and Kelsey, but their offense is struggling and Mahomes is struggling right now. I mean, plain and simple. I mean, he's struggling. You know, Green Bay, you know, they're, they're not the type of offense where – it's like the most diverse passing offense in the world. It's Devonte Adams, Devonte Adams, Devonte Adams, and not necessarily always the scheme that leads them there. So I don't know. Can they find a way to like, you know, infuse Odell Beckham Jr. into that offense? I think they could. I'd like to see that. I do think they need another guy if they want to win the Super Bowl. Um, but as far as just like maybe you know, you know, what do I want to say? Jump starting your career again and going to places where you know it's a true, like, proven fact that they can get you the ball. That's where I go to the Saints and the Patriots. Yeah, but now, he doesn't not... trust Trevor Simeon. Well, that's I, and that's where that's where that's why it's like hard for me to give one here, and I, that's why I want to give a little context. You're right; the Trevor Simeon thing is not that appealing. But Sean Payton, knowing how to get the ball to a guy all the time, is very appealing. And he, I would argue maybe he's the best in football at doing it. Maybe, you know, even before Michael Thomas, they could feature guys that way. And here's the other reason I would just say the Saints, too, because there could be a little bit of a long play there as well. You know, I think the Michael Thomas uh, Saints relationship is over from everything I know, and I don't expect to see him back in uniform there ever again. And he could be that guy for that offense. And I would think the Saints are going to be a major player for one of these quarterbacks that's on the market next year. 
So it could be good for the future. That's what I would argue. And that's the same thing with New England. They know how to get the guys the ball. They can orchestrate offense around that. And then you have a future there to build with, with Mac Jones and be the guy. So that that's my answer. I know I kind of copped out and didn't give you one place, but they all have some positives and they all have some negatives to me. And I think that's why he's probably taking a little time to try to figure this out. But there's a team that you've already – you mentioned before you even came on the air, I think you tweeted, and it's Buffalo. Yeah. Because yes. Buffalo, if, if Odell Beckham's big picture is being on a winning team, well, Buffalo probably has the best chance to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and yeah, I, and, and I, I, you put yeah, him opposite sorry. Stephon Diggs, you right. got Josh Allen, and right. you might have some magic there. I just – I don't know if he wants to go to Buffalo. But if you want to go and win – that might be the place where you can go and extend your career, at least through the postseason, longer than any other place. Agreed. He's got to be careful here. You know, hey, legacy's on the line. He's got a perception about him around the league. You know, there's certain some people that don't want anything to do with him. And, you know, again, he's he's been a guy that just hasn't got a lot of opportunities. He's athletically looks still really good. But uh, the analogy I use all the time is like, you know, if Golden State didn't throw the ball to Steph Curry until the fourth quarter, I'm sorry, he's not going to be the same Steph Curry. He's not just going to knock down threes all over the place. And Odell Beckham Jr. the last two years has gone through such long periods of time where he's open a lot. Wait, and the you're, ball blaming, come you're blaming the Browns scheme. I definitely, to a degree, the scheme and Baker Mayfield would be the two things. I don't know what there was there. There's something there, but I've broken this down on my unbuttoned podcast a bunch where I've shown a long list of plays to go, wait, I know this play. I know how you're supposed to read it. And Odell's wide open. And I don't understand why the ball didn't go there. So, you know, there's a little of everything there that happened in Cleveland. And Cleveland's pass game is, to me, without the run game being success- successful, is a little underwhelming. But, like, getting back to the Bills, you know, the only reason I didn't say them, that's the one that makes the most sense to me. But I just haven't heard any rumors or anything yeah. substantial to think it's going there. But you hit it exactly right. You know, their defense is Super Bowl-ish. They have no run game. And right now it's just Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs make magic for us every week. And they do need another guy, in my opinion, if they think they're going to march through the AFC playoffs and get to the Super Bowl. And that's that would be the one place if I was talking to Odell Beckham Jr. and I was talking to teams in the leagues, I'd go, get that done. That one seems to make the most sense. We had Mike Tannenbaum on yesterday, former front office executive. And I asked him about Baker Mayfield. Would you sign him up long term? And he said no. He said right now he's the third best quarterback in his own division. And he's going to cost you too much. And he's maybe the sixth, seventh best quarterback in the AFC, which I don't even know if he's that, even though he is having a good year. If you look at his numbers, he's having a good year in fairness to him. But, you know, you can't get that sweet spot of 38 or 28 to 30 million dollars, which maybe you want him there. But then I don't want to pay him 40 to 45 million. Uh, like that to me is exactly it. I mean, I I would sign up Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, Odell Beckham uh, Baker Mayfield long-term, but it's going to have to be on a term that makes sense for the Cleveland Browns. I think that's what I would do. You know, again, like, uh, you know, Baker's good. But I don't it never happens top... that way, Chris. Where a... I, well, the, the, the NFL then the, a lot of people are st- going to have to start dealing with Carson Wentz and Jared Goff situations if they're going to continue down this. Yeah. And then they're going to have to hear guys like me tell them how stupid they are for doing it. You know, so that's where like 
They're not quarterback dependent. Their team is built around the run game. He's not one of the 10 best quarterbacks in football. He's still very good, but I don't look at him as top 10 quarterback. We know it's kind of been up and down to a degree. So from that standpoint, yes, you know, I would sign him up, but I wouldn't give him 38 or $40 million a year. Absolutely not. And the other thing I say, because I've had people ask me this too, I want to just go, you know, like, if you offered him 30 million or 28 million, which is pretty good, you know, money, of course, we know in the real world and football quarterback money, that's kind of average. All right. But at the same time, would I've even, I've had these conversations with some people around the NFL. I just want to go, well, who do you think's going to be like knocking down the door going, we got to get Baker Mayfield to our team and we're going to give them 40 something million dollars because it's going to change our team. No, I don't think that's the, you know, the perception or the reality around that situation. He's not Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen or Russell Wilson or one of those guys. Or uh, So that's where, you know, that would be my, my stance on that. Uh, halfway point of the season, your MVP is? Well, it's not going to look good like after last week. I, 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 like before the week started last week, I said Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford would be the guy I would pick. I mean, you know, first off, I think the success there has happened way, way quicker than we anticipated. He's changed their football team. You know, they, they got some injuries at the running back position. They're not as special that way. And now we don't have to go like, whoa, if they can't run and don't have bootlegs, what are they going to do in the, this week? How are they going to manage the game? I hope the defense could be phenomenal. So to me, he's changed the perception of them throughout the whole league, let alone the NFC. And I know it's bad timing because he doesn't look great. Uh, but I, you know, to me, I would go there. And of course, I'm a little, I guess, biased because everybody's crapped on him so long in Detroit. He's horrible. He's horrible. He's horrible. So now he must be great, I guess. That's that's where I just I want to fight back against that narrative. But of course, Kyler Murray, Lamar, Tom Brady. I think those are probably the other three guys I look there, like you know, nipping at his heels. Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk Live co-host and uh, contributor to NBC. Sunday night football, the taunting penalty the other night with Tony Carrente, the, uh, the official, you had a run in with him when you were playing, which I found really interesting. Explain that to the audience. Sure. You know, first, I did not agree with that call. I don't think that's why that rule was put in place because of staring at the sideline from 30 yards away. Sorry, that's just not what it was there for. It's not the video the NFL showed us before the year to explain it. You know, that's not it's not They're They're going, you know, outside the lines on that. But yes, I had a game and it was San Francisco 2005 and got hit really late. You know, after a play, I mean, like maybe as late as I ever hit in my NFL career and nothing was called. And I kind of looked back at him and I just, I, as I was running, I went, what the hell? That was a late hit. That's like all I said, ran off the field. And now as I, you know, you come back on the next drive, it's commercial break, right? The referee usually gives you some warnings about like when he's going to blow the whistle and start the clock. So it happened once I'm kind of sitting around and Gruden's talking to my ear and I'm looking at him and the guys are talking to the huddle and he just blows the whistle and I turn around. I'm like, Oh my gosh. All right. Hey, West right slot 72 Z bingo. You split. All right. It goes on. We have a timeout or something like maybe a minute or two later. And the same thing happens. And it happened, I believe three different times until I finally went up to him to the next commercial break. And I said, 
But why aren't you giving me a warning? Can I get a warning before we come back from break here? That's kind of standard protocol. They kind of look at you and go, hey, get, get your guys ready. Call your play. I'm going to blow the whistle. That's kind of how it goes. Every team, every ref, every game all year. And he looked at me and he said, are you going to apologize for what you said earlier? And... I mean, Did the competitor you? wanted me wanted to be like, would you get the hell out of my face? And I'd like to like really say some four-letter words to you. But I didn't want to be ripped off by him for the rest of the game and not him call other penalties. So I went, I'm sorry about that. And then he said, <laughs> okay, I'll give you your warnings back. And I just, to me, that, he's always bothered me. There's a lot of talk like that around him. You heard Brian Greasy even during the telecast say he had his run-ins with, you know, Tony Carrenti. A lot of people have. Do you and think me, he, he gets a little personal? Do you think he made contact on purpose Monday night? Cassius I, I, Marsh. It, I, I, it just it appears that way. I mean, it appears that way. The whole thing is weird. You know, as I've argued on the show, like I'm all for this rule. I've I've been one that's defended it because I am a behind the like, like these are role models. The kids watch this. And like the aspect of what we wanted out of the game was like the 40 yard run down the sidelines and the defender makes a tackle 40 yards down the field and he gets up and he stands over him. He's like, yeah, I tackled you. I know you almost got a touchdown, but I tackled you. <laughs> or, you know, the receiver who catches a three yard route and now the DB tackles, he stands over him and puts his man junk in his face. Like, look, I dominated you for three yards. Oh my gosh. That's got to go like that. I'm all for that. This is not what the rules for. I mean, again, and you know, like I said on PFT with Fourier, how do you know he wasn't looking at his mom in the second row and just going like, look at me, mom. I mean, to me, that was just like uh, unnecessary. And that's where common sense has been lost by the referees in the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah, but the NFL didn't take any action against Tony Carrenti. And to me, well, no, of he course initiates, not. it's almost like he was trying to draw a charge. Like, come on. Right. And then he throws right. the flag as soon as contact is made that he initiated. Yes. You, yes. Can, you can throw the flag for taunting. I had no problem with that. But you right. throw it a couple of seconds earlier when the taunting 100. actually happens. I had yes. a real problem with that. And you know what? He's not going to be disciplined by the NFL. They're going to be like, no, oh, of course let's not. just move on. Get into the weekend. Everybody will forget about this. Hey, right. That's right. Uh, the NFL's never made a mistake ever in the history of their wow. lives. They've never made a mistake. Wow. I know they can still yeah. come after you. They can come after yeah. your benefits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. They could. <laughs> hey, great to talk to you as always, Chris. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thanks, man. Hey, tell those idiots. I said, hi. Hey, idiots. Chris says, uh, hi. 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 Yes. Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk Live co-host. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Adam in Florida joins us. Hey, Adam, what's on your mind today? ADP, uh, first time, long time, uh, 5'11", and a soft 210. So, yeah, I've been hearing you uh, talking about the uh, stones here the last couple of days, and I got a little bit of a dilemma. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a ticket to go see them in Florida here at the end of the month, and uh, needless to say, it was a uh, pre-penny that I had to uh, spend. However, I am also getting married in February. Now, I can flip that ticket and maybe put a nice little down payment on a florist, 
or I can go and see the Stones in what may be their last performance. Have you seen them before? I have not. I have not. It would be my first time, and I'm really excited, but do I be selfish and go see the Stones, or should I think about uh, my fiancé and maybe, uh, you know, put, get a cake with that? Uh, yeah, but, a little bit of a dilemma. Yeah, but Adam, we know you're going to get married a couple of times, but <laughs> this would be the only time that you could see the Rolling Stones, so I would, I would uh, opt for the Rolling Stones. Well, let me ask the guys on the other side, okay? Yes, Todd? Is he so strapped for cash that he has to choose going to the concert versus making sure there's a cake and flowers at the wedding? If it's that, if that's stuff, I would still go to the concert. And- yeah, are you hard pressed for cash, Adam? Uh, at the moment, with all, everything we're putting into the wedding, yes, okay. the expenses are piling up. Are you bringing her to the Rolling Stones? I am not. That is going to be me oh. going solo to the Stones. Wait, you're Han Solo for the Stones? Han Solo for the Stones. Oh, my God. See, if you bring her... I can't teach this new generation. I just don't have the time. Yes, McLovin, what? I don't know. I I saw the Stones Wheels of Steel tour in 89. I'm like, this is a great last tour. Come on. Shut up. Do you want to go see the Stones now? Do you? Yes, I would go see the Stones again. Yes, Eden. I can't think of a better way to start off your relationship than... Instead of paying for something for the wedding, going to the Stone solo. Yeah, you kind of have to send that message, though, Adam, early. You know that uh, I am joking, by the way. Oh, you are. Oh, yeah, oh, yes, I'm very much yes, joking, and I'm, I'm joking too. Yes, yes, yes Paul. Yeah. See, I, I disagree. I think this is a great way to start a marriage. You're going to spend the next next forty years of your life doing things your wife doesn't want you to and apologizing for. Let's start now and let's start big. That's marriage, buddy. I would go. You know, Adam, if you go, let us know how the show was. If you don't go, let us know how that uh, how that goes over with your fiance. I will. I will. I will call back. And okay. uh, before I go, just want to let you know, I, I didn't meet you guys when you came down to, to uh, Miami pre-COVID for the Super Bowl. And you guys were great. You couldn't have been nicer. So uh, it's nice to call in and uh, finally be a part of the show. Well, who was the nicest, though, Adam? Uh, you all were nice, but uh, Seton stuck out. Seton mm-hmm. was very... Um, uh, scene was very uh, cool, and uh, I mean, y'all were, but got a chance to take a picture with y'all and um, just you know shake your hand, and uh, you couldn't have been you couldn't have been nicer. And I actually did play um, uh, trivia with uh, Fritzy's son, and uh, I did take him down. So I'm sorry, Fritzy, <laughs> but uh, um, it was it was a good time. So right, well, uh, you know, again, good luck to be with part of the show. Good luck with your decision, Adam. That. Uh... Yes, Tom. How much should where the seats are and how much you think you can get for them play into making that final decision? Just go see the Stones. Just go. You know, just go. I had a chance to go see Sinatra, and I didn't go. It was in St. Pete, Tampa, St. Pete. I didn't go. You know, he was, he was singing while reading off a prompter. Um, I just didn't want to see him like that, but then I didn't get to see him. And I guess I would rather see, but it's not like the stones don't put on a great show. They still do. You know, they don't have Charlie Watts, but you know, Keith just hearing Keith play guitar. Jagger's still Jagger, still running around. Stop me out. You know, doing the same thing, run around and walk around like a chicken. Yes. Yeah, he and how much, we've said it on the show a million times, but how much do we regret not going to see Tom Petty when he just played right here in Connecticut? Thank God I went and saw him. Thanks for that. Yeah, thank God I went and saw him. 
You know. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. I'm George Reister, host of the Reister or Wrong podcast. This is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth absolute fire on mondays wednesdays and fridays facts only make sure you check your feelings at the door because no bs is allowed we keep it 100 this is where real conversations happen listen to the right or wrong podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts um, Mr. Rich Eisen wants to weigh in on what we're discussing right oh, now. Oh, okay. And uh, the popular Rich Eisen from the Rich Eisen Show that follows ours on Peacock. Hi, Rich. DD, masterful um, questioning of this uh, individual, but you did leave out a very crucial question that um, I think is uh, very important. Does, does the uh, fiancé know that he's making this decision? That's a question that's mm. important because if he does turn down the tickets for the flowers, there are considerable points to be made here. It's kind of like, you know, when you're you're about to tip somebody at like the Starbucks, do you wait for them to watch you put the dollar in? You know what I mean? Like do you want the points for the for the gesture? You know what I'm saying, Dan? Like, this is crucial. Okay. So um, should he tell her that he is... Now, does he say, hey, I'm deciding between the two? Yeah, that's a tough one. You're right. That's a tough one. I just wonder if she's just... You'd imagine they're about to get married. She must know everything about what's going on in his life, right? Like, he must have bought the ticket with her knowledge. You'd have to think. Because... I mean, now that he's let the cat out of the bag on the Dan Patrick show, this could be particularly dicey. Yeah, but as I told him, Rich, he's going to get married a few times, so you may only get to see the stones. (laughs) You know? Which was my favorite comment. Dan, why don't you, you have time to teach the new generation? <laughs> you don't have that time, Dan. You're right. I, you're, you're very generous with your time. So, thank I you, just Rich. I want to make that point. All right. That's, you're that's Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen show. Probably be covering this story on his show. Yes, Tom. Yeah, if you're going to make a decision like this, you've got to get some kind of brownie points or credit for it. You I know, but if you that. say it and then you go to the Stones concert, then you're picking that over money that can be applied to the wedding. Yeah, but if you say it in a situation like I have this ticket and I, you know, I want to, you know, want you to discuss this with no, you. No, 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 no. You no. can't have a conversation with her. To- and, because she's going to say, "Why'd you only buy one ticket?" You know, why? Why is this a question? Why shouldn't we be saving our money? No. Focus on the wedding. Like, what's more important to you, Adam? Yeah, Paul. I think you're absolutely right, because yeah. if you bring it up and say, you know what, honey, I was deciding between there were the Rolling Stones and uh, it was a tough decision. Mm-hmm. You're losing points already. She's doesn't care. She thinks it's obvious you should have chose the flowers. I would just say, look, I'm going to sell this ticket because I'd like to get another ticket um, and we could both go to the Stones concert. But... I mean, you got to fall on your sword here. You're already in no man's land. You have no friends. You're going by yourself to the Stones concert. 
I know Adam has no friends. I think we can all agree to that. Which I got to say, sounds like Adam's never going to a concert again after he gets married. Well, if he's going, he's going with his wife. Yeah, McClellan. The wife asked for a ticket to say, you can't always get what you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had to Google famous Rolling Stones songs, full disclosure, right before <laughs> to come up with that pun. Wait, are you going to say the Stones are overrated? No, the Stones are my band. I In the Stones, Beatles... Fight. I'm all stones. Wait, you had to Google the stones. Well, songs. I was trying to come up with a good joke here, so I was like, "Hey, we could. Uh, what color should the uh, wedding be? Paint it black." And I had a lot, lot of lines. When there. she throws him out of the house, and he says, "Give me shelter." Yeah, give okay. me shelter. Yeah, okay. I was trying. <laughs> Time is on my side. I don't know. When he's naked, running around the house, he's jumping Jack Flash. Honey, wild horses couldn't drag me away from you. Mm. Away from you. <laughs> he's going to be her beast of burden for sure. <laughs> Anything else? Like a no. deep cut? Like a B-side? Actually, he should be singing I Can't Get No Satisfaction because that's in his future. Well, that's what she'll be saying, yeah. <laughs> wow. So she's not going to start him up or anything Start like me that. up! There we go, Todd. Thank you, Todd. How about Todd weighing in on... Uh... Oh, he's still reeling a little bit from what happened earlier. <laughs> I love that Seton stole your Adam Sandler impersonation right in front of you. It's like when somebody walks up to your uh, date and goes, uh, Hi, you want to go? And you're standing right yeah, there. Obviously, you're an item between yeah. you. He just, he's just stole your date. A very cutthroat business this is. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Ross Tucker, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. He works for CBS, Westwood One, he had the Maction game last night between Toledo and Bowling Green. He's going to call the Ravens-Dolphins game tonight on Westwood One. And then he's got Bucknell and Army on Saturday. That's three games, four days. How does he do it? He's only one man. He's Ross Tucker, the uh, self-professed meathead James Vanderbeek. Always great to see you, Ross. Thanks for joining us. Dan, my pleasure. Always good to be on. I appreciate it. I, I'll tell you this much, Dan. Um, I love going to games. When people ask me my favorite thing in the media, the two things I say are calling games and filling in for you. And most of the time when people say that they know me, a lot of people reference your show. So I am very appreciative for all the opportunities you've given me over the years. Thank you, buddy. Uh, McLovin has a question here or a statement, and then I'll let you uh, factor in or weigh in on this. McLovin, go ahead. Mike White is going to eventually be on the list of the greatest undrafted quarterbacks, along with Tony Romo, Dave Craig. Uh, Warren Moon. Kurt Warner. Someday, Mike, Jeff Garcia, Jeff Garcia, or at least he has a chance to be one of those guys. Mm, Do you okay. see? I don't know if you ever called Western Kentucky Ross by any chance. Yeah, Mike White is going to get the start again for the Jets. And McLovin thinks he could be one of the top five. Well, he's not going to supplant Warner or Moon. Those are Hall of Famers. Romo is on the outside of the Hall of Fame looking in. Jeff Garcia was pretty good. Dave Craig, these are all really good quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't find a list of 6 to 10. I wish I could have. Oh, that <laughs> that would have helped. That might have helped. Okay. But uh, what are the Jets, like, are they, they're almost asking for trouble here. If Mike White plays well, 
Like, did they get themselves in a situation where they realize maybe the best quarterback is not the guy they took number two overall? Well, first of all, I thought McLovin was going to rub it in that Dartmouth beat Princeton last week, so I'm very thankful that that's not the question. I thought that was going to be the statement he was going to make. Mm, so I'm yeah, glad yeah. we're not getting into that. Yes, McLovin. I made a bet. I said, you have to come up to the man cave and eat tofu on Meat Friday, and he said there is. he was so upset, he almost dropped off Twitter. Ross was like, that'd be the worst punishment known to man. By the way, I did watch that game, and, and Princeton goes in, what, undefeated, and Dartmouth just handed them their lunch, by the way. Yeah, I'm aware, Dan. Yeah, I watched my the bad. game as okay. well. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, if McLovin's alma mater wants to lower their academic standards to try to beat us, no, <laughs> hey, that's up to them. That's up to them. <laughs> I mean, I'm just teasing, by the way, Dartmouth people. I'm just teasing. <laughs> um, but, yes, that was a brutal loss. And I said to him, Dan, I'd rather take a pie to the face than not be able to eat meat or take my – patented road sausage away on a meat Friday. I'd rather, I'd rather let you guys all pie me in the face. I've heard about your road yeah. sausage and uh, i surprised you brought it up. As for Mike White, I mean, he looked really good uh, against the Bengals, clearly. He looked good on that one drive against the Colts. But I'm very curious to see how he does when there's a little bit more of a sample size. You know, the Bengals – we're very vanilla against him. I'm not exactly sure why. Yeah. And I got to say this, Dan. Nobody else has said this. I'm not questioning the young man's toughness. But we saw him throw a touchdown pass against the Colts and then not come back in the game. You he, know, he couldn't grip the ball. I, that, that's what they say. And and I, 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 I don't know what the exact injury was. And look, he's it's a golden opportunity for him. But I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of feel like somehow, some way, you would still try to go out there. But we'll see. We'll see how he does this week against the Bills defense. It's playing very, very well. But I think we've seen this too many times with a guy that comes in. I mean, why isn't McLovin asking us about Cooper Rush? I mean, Cooper Rush came in against the Vikings in his first start and played very well, played better than Dak did the next week. So I don't know why we're not asking that. As for the Jets and having an issue, I think the issue, Dan, is really the way Robert Sala is presenting it. You know, when you hear him, he's not like, he's not saying Zach Wilson's my guy no matter what. He's kind of he's kind of leaving the possibility out there <laughs> that he keeps Mike White in the game. Uh, by the way, Cam Newton might be returning to the Panthers today. Your thoughts on that move with Sam Darnold out with the uh, broken bone in his shoulder? Well, I think it makes sense. You know, they're still very much in the mix to get a playoff spot, which, by the way, Dan, we should talk about this at some point. That extra playoff spot in each conference, it's changed everything. I mean, if the Saints beat the Falcons like they should have, and there's only two playoff teams, two wildcard teams, everybody else is at least two games back. And they might start, you know, the Niners might start to play Trey Lance, et cetera. But that extra spot, I mean, right now the Falcons have it at four and four. That extra spot has all these teams that are three and five, three and six. Hey, we're still in it, which is exactly what the NFL wanted. It has kept these teams in it, including the Carolina Panthers, who they don't know what they have in P.J. Walker. So let's see what PJ does for a game, maybe two, but have Cam ready. Because hmm. I think they already know that Sam Donald's not going to be the guy. I can't believe, Dan, 
that they picked up his option in the offseason. 19 million fully guaranteed for next year. Dan, it never made sense. Odell Beckham has not decided on where he wants to go. And I'm wondering, can Aaron Rodgers say to the Green Bay Packers, I want him, go get him? It worked for Randall Cobb. I mean, they had to trade for the guy. Yeah, it worked for him with Randall Cobb. The, the interesting thing about Odell Beckham Jr. is I just tweeted this, at Ross Tucker NFL. Dan, the longer this goes on, the more obvious it is that he doesn't have the opportunities he thought he was going to have. You know, when you have free agency, okay, those, those highly sought-after guys sign the first day or two. And by the way, if he doesn't sign before Saturday, he misses a whole paycheck. You know, you only, get, you only get 18 of them now, 18 paychecks for your whole salary the whole year. You don't want to skip those. I still think he signed somewhere tomorrow or Saturday to not skip a week. I wouldn't want to miss a week. The only other, uh, uh, the only other possible uh, thing that's going on here, because we're all talking about him and you're asking me about him, it's two days in a row now, three days in a row, maybe his marketing people, maybe kind of like Russell Wilson, in the offseason, have realized the value of the Dan Patrick show and all of the shows talking about you nonstop. Yeah. Odell makes a lot of money off the field. They probably, hey, let it go for a couple of days. Let everybody keep talking about you for a couple of days. Just make sure uh, your marketing dollar is bigger. Yeah, I just wonder that is he worth all of this? Like, no. You don't want him on your team. If you're Green Bay, Kansas City, the Saints, you don't want him. No, I don't think so. Um, look, for the minimum, I would give it a try. I wouldn't give him anything substantial financially. You know, I guess I believe in track records. His track record with two different organizations now is that he's injured a lot. He's not very productive. Doesn't like the quarterback once out. What, why is the third time going to be the charm? And what situation is he going to that's so much better than Cleveland? Uh, you had a situation with the Patriots and the Panthers where Brian Burns got his ankle twisted by Mac Jones. Here is the Panthers defensive end talking about that situation with Mac Jones. It would be nice to have an apology, <laughs> Mac. It would be nice to have an apology, but... Uh... I mean, it's not going to happen. And, um, I mean, however the NFL handles it, it's, it's, it's on them. I would just like to play them again. And uh, I wish all my fellow uh, DN brothers happy hunting. And that's all. <laughs> Should Mac Jones apologize to Brian Burns for hurting his ankle? Dan, things have changed a lot from when <laughs> I played. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I never heard a guy apologize. But even more than that, I never heard a guy ask for an apology. I mean, I got spit in my face twice, Dan, twice. And I never say anything about it after the game. I didn't ask for an apology. I didn't tell the media. I didn't ask for an apology. Wait, was this I on purpose? Remember. This was on was purpose. That? Somebody spit in your face on purpose. Yeah, twice. In 2004, um, Gerard Warren, when we played the Browns, and Langston Moore when we played the Bengals. And uh, Gerard Warren did that. And then, and then after the first, that was the first play of the game. 
And then the next couple plays, they were pushing me after the play. So the next TV timeout, you know, TV timeouts, people don't realize if you've never been to an NFL game, you're just standing out there on the field. Next TV timeout, I walked over to those guys very calmly, and I said, hey, guys, I'm tired of it. I'm going to break one of your bleeping legs on the next play. And I walked back to the huddle, <laughs> came out for the next play, and Alvin McKinley was like, talk, talk, talk. We're good. It's over now. It's over. We're, we're going to – because they knew I was serious. They knew I, was, I, I wasn't going to take it anymore. For Langston Moore, and we've joked about this now on social media, I was screaming. He did it as he was leaving the field. So I was screaming at Marvin Lewis, who I knew, to put him back in the game because I wanted to try to kill him. You know, we didn't. I, you know, we don't. We don't ask for. We don't ask for apologies. We demand forgiveness by taking. That's what's great about football. You can take it out on them. You can inflict pain and punishment on them. Why would a guy spit in your face on the first play of the game? Well, so for Gerard Warren, it's because we scrimmaged them that year. We had an inter-squad scrimmage during training camp, I think. And oh, I know that, and I think this is why. Um, and I, I threw him down the ground and then kind of speared him, and he didn't really like that. That's the same game, Dan, that we're beating them so bad, okay? We're up by like three touchdowns late in the game. I'm blocking Gerard. Instead of trying to make the tackle, he goes like this real quick and puts my arm in an arm bar. And he said, I'm going to break your mother effing arm. And I was like, Gerard, no, 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 please don't, Gerard, no. I, 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 I thought he was serious. Like he had me like in a – in like one of those UFC, like, yeah. I'm going to break your arm things. I was like, please, no, Gerard, no. He didn't even try to make the tackle then. He just goes, I'm going to break your mother effing arm. What the hell happened on Monday night in the, with the taunting call with Tony Carrente? Uh, I thought it was amazing. One of my favorite moments of the NFL season. I've never seen an official draw the foul. Like, like, like he's LeBron James trying to get the N1. I mean, that was amazing. And then my favorite, Dan, did you see him hold his hand in the air like me draining a three in high school basketball and just like hanging in the air after he threw the flag? Tony Corrente, Tony Corrente literally taunted Cassius Marsh while throwing a taunting penalty on him. I thought it was amazing. Um, I will say this, and I might write about this in my next column. I am actually one of the only people that's supportive of the taunting rule. Now, I didn't think what Cassius Marsh did deserved to be flagged. But, Dan, you know I've got Go Big Recruiting, a high school athletic business. You, you should see, Dan, junior high football. You should see seven-on-seven seven football. These kids will catch a touchdown. You know, in the end zone, over a kid, in seven on seven, no helmets or anything, and they'll get right up in their face. They'll and be like, ah, like, and stare them down. That's another thing that's different from when I played. I, I would just punch the kid right in the face, no hesitation, just boom. Like I don't. That that is why what Tomlin said. That's why they're trying to get rid of it because the younger kids they see that they see them getting each other's face, and then that's what they do. They do it. Seven on seven, junior. I've seen it pop Warner. It's disgusting. It's disrespectful. 
and they mimic what they see the NFL guys do. It's unnecessary. I didn't have a problem with, you know, if taunting was called on the play, it was just late in the call and you waited until the player make, you know, you make contact with the player and then you pull the flag. That's the problem I had with this. You want to call taunting? Call taunting because the letter of the rule, it, it would constitute throwing the flag. You can't wait till you make contact with somebody and then you call the taunting penalty on somebody while you taunt the person you just called taunting on. You know what, Dan? It, it reminded me of like an NBA ref sometimes or college basketball when they make it about them. Yeah. Like they think it's about them. It's it's not about you. I would say this year, out of let's say there's been 30 taunting flags, I'd say about 15, maybe 20 I agreed with, 5 to 10 I didn't. But now, Dan, it's the rule. It's like the COVID rules. Like, it's the rule. So anybody that gets it now, that's on you. It's clear what the rules are. It's clear what they're doing. So you can keep complaining about it, or you can just not do it so you don't hurt your team. Uh, have fun tonight. Safe travels, as always. And uh, thanks for joining us, buddy. Always. Thank you, Dan.